0: This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au.
1: One of my favourite things about biking. When I used to drive, I always drove with my doors locked. I would play my stereo and mostly avoid any contact with other drivers on the road. I just stayed in my gas-guzzling box. But now, I ride my bike, and oddly enough, I'm less afraid of all those things. And when I am at a stoplight, another cyclist is also there, I usually know their name by the time the light turns green. It's like all those walls come tumbling down, and although it seems more dangerous than being in a car, I am less afraid. That's from Joni Mailer from 1995. And I'm sorry. Oh, there we go. No. And we're back listening. I can't cut. Faith, good morning, Faith.
0: Good morning, Val. I
1: was trying to get some music going on there, but obviously it's not worked. So we'll have to do with our little, without a little musical interlude.
0: interlude. Without our uh, traditional I know. intro. I know.
1: I um, know. Spring has sprung? Spring has
0: definitely sprung. Spring uh, was... Bringing all the way in this morning on the bike um, and and arrived with my first healthy dose of hay fever. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) We'll
1: use that as an introduction. You're listening to the Arab Bug Radio Show. Do your weather report, pollen count. Mm -hmm. Um, Annoying. Annoying (laughs) summation of um, a beautiful couple of days in Melbourne. Actually, it's a bit scary, to be perfectly honest, but um, it's not like you can escape it. So here we are. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now. We've got a show coming up, mostly focused on urban cycling and a little bit of news and events around the traps, of which we'll dive into a little bit. Um, oh, let's get us off and settled and that heart rate down with a yeah. bit of a, a bicycle <laughs> moment. Do you want me to go first? Um, yeah, because I've got a yeah.
0: <laughs> I uh look it's it's one that happens occasionally but it's always good. I came peddling south down Napier Street from Edinburgh Gardens. Oh yeah. Um got to Queen's Parade and you know you don't often have to stop for traffic at Queen's Parade but lately I don't know if there's been some roadworks diverting traffic. Oh yeah. Lately yeah. you have had to and and this time was one of those ones where, no, but check both sides. You can go straight over both yep. sides over the service roads. Yep. Further down Napier, and just as you're turning onto the portion of the path near the lights over Alexandra Parade, yep, they turn green. Yep. So go over there and and get to the other side. Look up, and the lights on the other side of Alexandra Parade near the swimming pool are just turning green too. So got over there was uh sublime so <laughs> it's, it's the tats, lo-
1: tats resolve on saturday night was good or you didn't buy a ticket oh i chat, used it chat. all up this
0: morning crossing alexandra parade yes, and queens parade you <laughs> got every
1: red light from from <laughs> brunswick road to alexandra <laughs> parade deep water here mm. yeah um look how um i'm gonna go on with my wildlife um uh, spotting um, I should say first, actually. Um, I know the last time we were on, I mentioned the um, the works going on on the south side of the Walmart Street Bridge. And um, for a long time, I couldn't picture how they were going to do it, actually. Because, but now I look at how it's going along there now. And I'm going to say this, and it's probably halfway finished, but it's going to blend in really well into that little environment there. Um, I, you know. It's surrounded by three or four enormous apartment buildings, but, you know. This Total is, blend in. This is, <laughs> yes, we can grow, the, grow that palm tree a little bit, another 10 stories it'll go in. But, you know, this is inner city. You've got to have high-density living. I know they're all a million plus, but anyway, then there's no social housing up there. Um, but it's actually quite well done. Um the way it's going to blend back, the bridges, the corner, the upward ramp's going to blend back into it. Um, it's not going to look too bad. Now, I know a lot of people see foxes around Melbourne. If you ride the Capital City Trail after dusk or early morning, you're nearly guaranteed to spot
0: one. You've and you chooks, you're guaranteed to spot one. Brunswick's riddled with foxes. Of
1: course. Yeah, chook heaven, egg heaven up there, isn't it? Um, and, of course, the... Um, the little rodents that go along with mm. chooks are always uh, happy. I had a little bit of an encounter with um, one the other day. And so if you think of the um, gap from the Yarra Trail down to the river, in a lot of parts it's um, quite steep, overgrown. And just down there was a... Um, I'm not going to say he was a little fox because he was not a little fox. <laughs> this is the size of a medium-sized dog um, with an enormous rat in his mouth. Stood there, huh. looked into my eyes as if asking, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he just, we had a little bit of a staring competition. <clears throat> I stopped somebody else rode past me. I stopped them. We had a look at him and he virtually looked at us. Turned his head, trotted off into the grass, and that was it. And I thought, there you go, I mean, it's, we're becoming – <laughs> he's habituated. Of course he's habituated. They're great survivors. But uh, usually when you see them, they just bolt. Um, mm. But this one, he was uh, – I presume it was a boy. He was a very big lad. It's probably yeah. the
0: one who ate our chooks.
1: Well, he's coming down. He's coming yeah. down and south. And fox
0: density in Melbourne is higher than regional Victoria. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised at all. Yeah. I'm uh, Too much food. They're a great
1: uh, look. Along with cricket, they're a great gift from England. We'll just keep <laughs> on giving. <laughs> <Should I? laughs> We're going to get onto the elm trees in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but look, just one of those lovely. Um, Uh, Me and my David Attenborough uh,
0: (laughs) hat on, looking
1: at the uh, local wildlife. Um, I told somebody and they said, oh, they're getting rid of the rats. And I said, you know, they're not black rats. These are all native Native rats. rats. They're not – it's not like the plagues come to the (laughs) Yarra. So they're not doing anybody any favours at all. No. Uh, um, So that's it. Um, What a little bit of – News to move on?
0: Well, I was thinking we should talk about an article that appeared in The Age this morning. Yes. Um, It was, you know, Patrick Hatch, the transport um, reporter, has been doing some really good work lately. I think um, one thing people are appreciating is some more in depth look at yeah. transport issues and, and there was an article maybe 10 days or so ago about um, the lack of bike lanes, protected yep. bike lanes being built. Um, mm. This Ooh. morning's one is about the congestion around schools yep. and the problems that um, causes. Uh, so talking about car parking but also the idling, the yep. the pollution caused by that and the effects those uh, fumes have on children. Um. Travelling to school by car has skyrocketed over the past half century. So uh, in 2020, 64% of primary and secondary students in Melbourne travelled to school in cars, compared to 52% in 1994. And yeah. in 1974, it was only 20%. Um, walking to school has plummeted in the same period and riding has also plummeted um to about 3% overall. And we know there are schools, particularly in inner Melbourne and, and sometimes in regional areas where there's much higher levels of walking and riding. So these are averages yeah. over the um, – but, yeah, it does show that there's um a lot more cars around schools in the mornings and it's that catch-22 everyone talks about where you feel it's not safe – to allow your child to walk or ride, so you then take them in a car, adding to the safety issues for everyone else. Um, Yeah, it's a really good article. There's some good stats on uh, different schools around Melbourne and their proximity to public transport, how easy it would be to use public transport to get to those schools. Um, And I think it ties into an article we saw earlier last week about the dropping rates of cycling in Australia in general.
1: Yeah. And I look, at I was going to reference that. It's a, you know, in a lot of ways, either canaries in coal mines or if you were, you know, they're an indicator species. It's something um, that drop in cycling rates. When you look at some of the, I mean, there was quite a, this is a study uh, originally published in The Conversation, I think, and then picked up – I mean, obviously picked up uh, across the Guardian. I'm not sure if I saw it in um, anywhere else. But it's very much picking up on that post-CO- uh, post-COVID, I should say, and it had been happening before COVID, uh, declining cycling. And every time you see that, you've got to say, well, there's probably a decline in pedestrianism or walking as well and – there's probably a drop-off in kids getting to school by any other means and in a car.
0: Yeah. Well, and this confirms it. Yeah. You know, walking uh, has seen a huge drop-off. And you're right, there were declining cycling rates since about 2016. Yeah. Um, and then with COVID and less traffic, we got a blip, yep. an uptake, um, but that's now dropped again. And, uh, you know, I think... Um, you have to wonder why this interest in cycling hasn't been harnessed. Oh,
1: well, (laughs) how many reasons do you want? (laughs) Um, Well, look, it's interesting actually because if you look at the road, and I'm not going to call it a toll because it's not a toll, you look at road deaths in Australia, the latest figures, we're not hitting any target. Um, I'm trying to remember which government, federal government brought it in. Every state had a a target to get there. Road deaths down. We've not met any of those. We're actually on the rise. Yeah. I mean, cycling's hitting a, about a 10, the 10 year average is about 38 a year in Australia, but that's not static. That's rising. The most, one of the other worrying things is the rising pedestrian deaths. Mm. And some of the people I saw cited anecdotally in that study from Western Australia. Where people were very aware how dangerous it was, and there are numerous um, explanations of why people who had been a cyclist and a commuter cyclist had stopped mainly due to the result of one collision it's um, it 's really it 's a little bit stark to me i mean i can there are a hundred of other reasons, but one of them is this we 're turning a little bit um, Oh, God, what am I, how am I going to say this? <laughs> We're very selfish, you know, as far as road space is concerned. And I think um, our push-button first response is outrage a lot of the times, which is, you know, reflected in road behaviour, I would think.
0: Well, and it's interesting because that's what the current parliamentary inquiry into changes in road behaviour and their impact on vulnerable road yeah. users is looking at. Um, there has been a distinct decline in in driver behavior since yeah. the covid uh that's happening worldwide yep regardless um it seems so the the issue is how do you deal with that and uh the impact it's having you know we have policies on the one hand that say we want more people to not use their car for yep. every trip to walk or ride when they can but at the same time, you're not implementing policies that facilitate that. And that's one thing that some of the people, Patrick Catch interviews for this article, really bring out that um, as long as your roads are prioritizing um, the car usually of a car, yeah. then uh, more people will choose to drive and uh, you're not going to create those conditions where people decide to leave the car at home. Yeah. Um, they look at some of the options that might change behaviour around schools. And so in Denmark and Finland, car parking around some schools has been banned. Yep. Uh, one thing that has been happening in Merribeck with about eight schools over the last three years is uh, an open streets program where the roads around the schools are closed Uh, once every few weeks and um, there's a lot of consultation with neighbours and there's activities in the street and so kids are encouraged to walk and ride throughout the week Um, but that open streets day just really shows what the difference can be when um, people can't drive directly up to the school. That's uh, hopefully a program. The schools are encouraged to keep it going on, um, and hopefully some of them will. In New York, they introduced legislation to make it illegal to idle an engine for longer than three minutes. Yep. And I think we've mentioned this, The um, if you job in someone with a video of their vehicle oh, yes. idling, yeah, we did a, you actually yep, will get paid. Get paid. So uh, that's apparently been a very successful campaign. So that's addressing pollution. Yep. Um.
1: You think we're ready for that in Australia?
0: Well, you know, there's look. Yeah, po- the pollution is one really important issue, but you know, it's much bigger than that. It's yeah. about yeah. the space yeah. these vehicles are taking up and and the dangers they're bringing to the to, space they're yeah. moving through. Um, another recent article that ties into it is our vehicles are getting bigger and heavier and uh, much more dangerous for pedestrians and cyclists.
1: For people inside the four-wheel drive and people outside as well.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: One of the – now I'm trying to think of one of the southern German cities who actually – Banned any diesel cars driving down roads around schools and especially kindergartens. Um, You actually can't pay a toll or anything. You're actually banned from those roads. Mm. Um, I've got this awful memory of being in Perth once and um, I reckon the line of dropping kids off at school must have been nearly 200 metres long as cars slowly snaking past the school. Uh, and all those cars just idling. And of course with a <coughs> very lax fuel efficiency standards, it's a um it's an asthma inducing fog.
0: Yes, yeah. It's um with the open streets program, like we've had those uh programmes done at eight schools in Merribeck. Um but in London they have five hundred Schools, doing, schools participating yeah. in that, and that's found that nitrogen dioxide was reduced by up to 23% during the morning drop off. Yeah, so that's a, a very by stopping people
1: queuing up or making by it stopping hard people
0: to... getting to the school by car. Car, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's uh, a lot, um to look at, and we'll put a link to the article because there's a lot in there um, and some interesting stats and uh, information, But and a handy little poll. Should car parking be banned around schools? It is currently running at 79% yes. Oh. And it was interesting in the comments. I haven't looked just now, but earlier when there were about 16 comments. Oh, fif- this
1: is in the age, yep.
0: Yeah, 15 of them were very positive, saying yep. yes, you shouldn't be able to park at school. And the, there was one negative, and that was from a teacher who... Um, Had to park a car, I
1: presume, speaking.
0: Yeah. But, you know, obviously there's ways to um, make that work, I think, for everyone, or at least to put some effort into doing that rather than the current status quo.
1: Uh, interesting, the, um, the article on the drop-off and cycling and the conversation... It must be about a year ago now that the conversation got rid of all their comment pages. Um, but there was one on this, and there's still this I mean, it, 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 there's still this sort of I don't know what you call it a you know cognitive distance between what the article was saying, and they were actually quite up quite upfront about saying, Look, the way you solve this problem is number one is. Bicycle lanes need to be separated from cars. You know, it's one thing that maybe makes people a little bit fearful is if that track, that bike trail is, a bike path is completely separated. That seems to sit none of, up the top. All the other sort of things are the usual things we always talk about education programs, getting out there, seeing if you can start, say, a school saying, yes, you can't drop off the kids for, two weeks here let's try and find alternatives you still had this you know half and half in the comments about i'm not too sure whether this is any good induced demand got called up again like it always does and gets um neglected i'm not too sure of some of the comments on the age but it fits together with this i'm going to call it backlash against providing safety for cyclists
0: i think it's important to remember though that the um Most people aren't commenting. Like, most people read it and think yes or no or whatever. And the people who are highly motivated to comment are people who feel strongly one way or the other. Yeah. And they're not representative of the majority. No. No. Um, You know, I think something I've heard a lot recently is that you're going to get, like, maybe 15% who are – Keen advocates for these changes, 15% who are really against them and never going to change. Yeah. And the other 70% aren't too fussed and can be taken one way yeah, or the yeah. other, um, but they don't tend to become engaged. So, no. you know, I think we have to be wary of reading too much into the comments oh, yeah. Um, yeah. because there is a – a much stronger motivation to take part in them when you have strong feelings about the issue.
1: I know. Yeah. I'm outraged.
0: It's how do we get the other seventy percent to who are generally, I think, supportive? Um, how do we get them to engage and uh, uh, take part in these uh, discussions? Or yeah.
1: I mean, if you look at—I'm not—I uh, would imagine what the Capital City Trail was like yesterday. But I did the south side of the Yarra Trail into the city. I did a, a loop around the Botanical Gardens up the top of the hill. There were a lot of that seventy percent riding along that trail yesterday with two kids, and, mm. um, thoroughly enjoying themselves. Now, you know, yeah. it's no, not, it's, it's not like it's not there.
0: No, yeah. and it's that's something. Um, You see a lot, there's one very small section of protected bike path in Merribeck that's been gone through a a reasonably contentious consultation period. Um, And yet when you look at it, there are a lot of people riding on there and they are people who are not um, interested in... Cycling as an issue, they're not following uh, the council pages. They're not following any of the cycling pages, so they're they're not taking part in consultation, but they're just using that path to get to where they're going. Whether you know, um, and with their kids generally, so it's yeah, it's finding ways to really um, engage with them and get their voice. Yeah. I think that's uh, becoming the challenge
1: it is a challenge <laughs> it has been for a long time and, and as, you, as you said before there is a there's a yo-yo thing happens here um, um anybody out there can remember the 70s Yeah. <laughs> I mean the boom in ten speed bicycles came out of the oil OPEC yeah you know and that that was the real boom then in America in Australia um, in the Netherlands, all parts of Europe as well. That certainly died an, a death when modern freeways were built. Then we have a bit of a resurgence, let's say, late 90s in a city, back again, rise up until the early naughty 10s. Now we're getting the power of the, the lobbies coming back again.
0: Yeah, but not the numbers of people riding. No. Um and it's you can see the difference that thing in the seventies and you know here near Melbourne, we had the Geelong bike plan, yeah, which was you know to build a comprehensive network of paths that weren 't that were separated from traffic yeah um and then we abandoned that uh at the same time in the Netherlands, they were working towards the same thing and didn 't abandon it yeah and forged ahead yeah and you you can see the difference thirty years later, yeah um they're suffering declining cycling rates for the same pressures we are. Yeah. But they have this network in place to help push back with. Yeah. Um So, you know, we're in this really precarious position where there is not the infrastructure to support any of these goals yeah. or the pushback against um, the really nefarious sort of consequences of – larger vehicles, more pollution yeah. and more road safety issues. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, there is a, there's been a half-promise and a half-election promise to get an Australian fuel standard. And it's not going anywhere at the moment because it's obviously on the triage list. It's a fair way down. That's been... You know, when you're talking about... When we can all euphemistically talk about pollution... But when your four-year-old gets asthma from going to school or going to kindergarten that's along a busy road, it starts to hit home to a lot of people.
0: Well, and it's... uh, Even with electric vehicles, the pollution from tyres is huge. And as these... You know, the new electric vehicles are getting bigger and heavier. Um, So that is one issue that's not really being addressed. But those... uh, Particles from tyres yeah. are uh, really dangerous for and our the health.
1: And the point is, don't drive. Not swap out the car. Don't drive. Might As we all well know, you know, 30%, 40% of trips in Victoria, in Melbourne, under two kilometres. trick is don't drive. Don't buy a... No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think everyone, you know, there's going to be trips you need to do with a car, but Nobody's, there's a lot of trips yeah. you don't. And what we – what would really make a difference is if the infrastructure was put in place to make those trips safe by foot and by bike.
1: Yeah. And I think it's – the other thing is that we've got to somehow um – end this sort of idea that one way of fixing things is make it easier for people to drive everywhere. No, we've been shouting this out. How long have we been doing this show? You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a lighter note...
0: On a lighter note? Yes. yes. <laughs> Off you go. i <laughs> um, On
1: a lighter note, look, it's still... Um, I think this is um without getting too existential about this, but we've discussed this with a couple of our guests lately um I want to think uh, John Simmons you know theres some stage you you get there's this how it works is you just get so fatigued from actually saying the same thing and and watching so little result. we've known about nitrous oxides damage to people's health, lung damage to kids under five years old, early exposure to stuff. We've known all that. And we've kept knowing all that. We just can't seem to separate, in a lot of ways, our individual feelings of safety and concern from a wider look at what's actually happening. And every time these cycling rates come out, it reinforces that. I can't... uh, um,
0: well, I think that's where you need leadership, political leadership and and people who aren't afraid to, you know, press forward with changes. I mean, you know, when seatbelt laws came in, they were hugely unpopular and, yeah. and people just said, well, you, you just have to do that. Yeah. And um, drink driving was the same. Yep. Um,
1: Owning firearms the same.
0: And when you have... Politicians who see um, the potential to politicise issues and use them to garner votes rather than address the issues concerned, then uh, we we lose that, unfortunately, and people are very reluctant to take that leadership role.
1: As evidenced by the debate around the voice at the moment, it is classically Australian, or it's actually an English disease, divide, conquer, polarise people, and we've fallen for it. We just keep getting more polarised at the time. Faith?
0: That's all we have time for today. 3CR relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. And coming up next is Shebop. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.